Hey guys, welcome back to The Debrief. We've taken a long break and that was intentional, but we're back. And today we're gonna to be talking about deconstructionalism. And a lot of you are like, deacon what? Exactly, but it has impacted and affected every area of your life. So check it out today. We're gonna to look at how deconstructionism views uh, good and evil, about how it views black and white, and how it views male and female, and how it's affected us as Christians. So check out this episode today. Yeah, culture is seeing this big kind of shift of uh, deconstruction. People are deconstructing what it looks like to work, what the family looks like, gender, all these things, and it's kind of bled into the church. Mm -hmm. So what are uh, what is some kind of counsel or um, advice you can give to people, young and old, that may be going through deconstruction? Um, what is like your perspective on? Yeah, so so here's the thing, as right as the old guy in the room, um, you know, I, I, I've lived long enough to watch deconstructionism be something new. And especially for people under, um, are you 35? Yeah, exactly. 35, you know, I think that this is something that you're not baptized in. It's just something that, you're, that you've been raised in and you don't even notice, notice it. And so it's, it's the old story of, you know, constantly turning the heat up on the frog. Mm -hmm. You know, if you throw a frog in hot water, it jumps out instantly. Um, but if you just kind of turn it up slowly, he just boils to death and never knows. And I would say even further than that, if you're under 25, you were born in this hot water. Mm -hmm. So all of your professors, all of your teachers, everyone thinks this way, and uh, this is not the way that it all always has been. And so, um, you know, deconstructionism, in its idea, I first became aware of it in the early 1990s when I was a college student. I was a political science major, and there was a, a professor named Derrida who went to the University of California, Irvine, mm -hmm. and so made huge headlines. And he's kind of the um, the father of deconstructionism, and so. Um, he wants to deconstruct, and, and you're going to laugh at this, but his idea was that we deconstruct binary concepts. Mm -hmm. So black-white, you know, and I know we're both Irish, but yeah. black-white, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, us Irish people got to stick together. Um, uh, I'm going to pick on you again. Mm -hmm. Male-female. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here's the thing, good-evil. I'm not going to point to any of you for that. Um, and so those are the things that he's kind of deconstructing. So because traditional Western culture... Um, which now is perceived as white culture. Let's divorce that. Let's deconstruct that. Uh, Western culture is not white culture. So this is where deconstruction is a good thing. And I wish that young people were taught this. Uh, Western culture is not white. It is first Babylonian. It is first Egyptian. It is first Assyrian. Then it's Greek. Then it's Roman. Then it becomes this weird uh, collection of German, English, and Spanish, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we got a white dude standing on the shores, uh, you know, um, with uh, Native Americans, American Indians, I don't know what the current, current terminology is, uh, indigenous people, right, on the shores, and we call him white. Well, he's got, you know, um, he's got uh, um, Persian math, right? I mean, I mean he, he, he's, this, he's this, this collection of cultures for 2,000 years that culminate in what we call Western. Um, but my people, white people, right, we were sacrificing babies, eating each other until we were conquered by the Romans. And so um, that's what Winston Churchill said. He said, we'd still be in caves had it not been for the Romans who enslaved us. Mm -hmm. And so I say us, because then the English enslaved my people, the Irish, right, for, for a thousand years. And some Irish would still say they're still, you know, enslaved to this thing. But, you know, cultures... Are, are this process of education and thinking. And so 
that's why, um, especially for, um, you know, it's, it's uh, Black History Month, and I, the thing that breaks my heart for all of my black friends is no one has ever heard of the name of Thomas Sell. And um, have you heard of his name? Okay, good. So Thomas Sell is, is not just great because he's black. He is great because I believe he's the greatest thinker and economist of our age. Hmm. Um, I have never read a book by Thomas Sowell that hasn't changed me and haunted me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So Thomas Sowell comes out of uh, uh, you know, the black activist movement in the 1960s. He did not go the route of Dr. or uh, Reverend Martin Luther King. He went the route of the Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. So you know, he wanted to be violent, strong, powerful. Um, and in that mo movement, solved some problems. Um, and one of the big problems he saw was people didn't want problems to be solved. And uh, what's so amazing about his journey was he did not excel academically originally. And he is, he says words in his books that I have to look up constantly. Mm -hmm. And um, I, think, I think the greatest book that I've ever read that has shaped me politically and philosophically is Wealth, Poverty, and Politics. It's a thousand pages. Mm -hmm. It will change your life. Um, read it and, and, he, and he looks at things and what he does and this is where deconstruction is good he deconstructs race and he compares uh, ghettos in America that are full of you know uh, uh, African Americans to ghettos in England that are all white people mm -hmm. and he sees similarities different races same problems um, and, he, and he starts asking why is that and then he looks at races that no matter where you put them around the world they thrive um, Jewish people Chinese people um, and uh, my doctor, uh, uh, what is right right north of Israel? My mind just went blank. Um, the country. Uh, Turkey? No, 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 right no. Saudi Arabia? No, north. Just north. Oh, north? No, no, no. The little one. The little one. The Lebanon. Thank you. Lebanon. My daughter, oh, Madison. Nice. Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Ronnie. Uh, not that he's going to watch this. Um, but he, Lebanese. No matter where you go in the world, Lebanese, even though they can't speak the language, even though they come, so, so my doctor, my dermatologist, was smuggled to America in a, um, uh, a soldier sack. Mm. His parents bribed the American soldier to put him in the rucksack and smuggle him across the border. Mm. That's how he came to America. Wow. Can't speak English, behind in school, he's my doctor. Um, you know, um, right? There's just amazing stories like that in our church. Like I think about Dr. Doan, who we all know, people don't know. Dr. Doan went to medical school in his second language. Mm -hmm. Like who does that, right? Like yeah. I can't go to school. I can't get through medical school in my first language. Um, so, you know, so so there are just these cultures that value education, that no matter what you do to them, they seem to thrive. Mm -hmm. So, like Jews were ex almost exterminated in Germany. Um, when you look at the medical discoveries in America, really, so many of the things that we take for granted happened when uh, schools like Harvard, Yale allowed Jews. To go to school, it's mm -hmm. incredible. It's, it's incredible the discoveries that go up um, when you have these certain cultures that seem to do well, um, and and then there's cultures that seem to struggle. And he talks about that, and um, and he says it's 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 less about race and more about culture. And and he talks about how to change those things and shape those things. And it's not that we don't have racism in America. That is very clearly the truth. It's just that we have to address race and we have to address culture. And so. Here's where deconstruction is good. Whatever you are, to the left or to the right, if you're a Christian, I think it's okay to deconstruct some things. Uh, if you're an atheist, I would encourage deconstructing mm -hmm. you know, what you think is true. Um, 
But here's the mistake. Here's where I think deconstructionism has gone too far. And here's what I would say about every movement. Every movement goes too far. Mm -hmm. So movements that are necessary don't know how to stop. Hmm. They don't know how to stop. So, um, you know, I, I think unions are an important thing, especially in a country when there were, you know, you could work as an eight-year-old and get your finger cut off. And, you know, I think those are, those are important. Uh, I think it's important for workers to unite and be able to have a voice and a say in what they're paid and how they live. But look at what unions have done to our children, particularly our children of color in this country. Because it didn't become about what kids needed, it became about what teacher unions wanted. So mm -hmm. that's the problem. So, so we need unions, like we need unions because I think teachers should make good money. Um, but then people go too far. I've heard this said repeatedly. I think teachers should be paid like LeBron James. I'm like, well. <laughs> I don't know if anyone should be paid yeah, like Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, you know, but that's an example of where you can't stop at, I think teachers should be well paid. You just go off the deep end. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's one LeBron James. Like, you're not, mm -hmm. you're not, gonna, you're not gonna get that. Just like there's one Elon Musk. Um, you know, there, there's just, you know, there's one of, you know these individuals that are just culture sh shifters and changers so I think let's talk about where deconstruction is good as a Christian I think you need to just deconstruct your faith a little bit because if you don't it's not real faith mm -hmm. and so specifically when Jesus says who do you say that I am he's asking young Jewish men to deconstruct their view of the Messiah right. yeah. who do you say that I am the reason and, and so when we go to Israel um, the, the thing that uh, people from Sandals have such a hard time with every time is how can these Jewish people who know so much about the Bible, matter of fact, our instructors and our guides will unfortunately know more than our Christians who worship Jesus. The, 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 the non-Christian guide will know more about Jesus than the Christian follower. <laughs> they have such a hard time with why don't they believe. And it's because for the Jew to come to faith, they have to deconstruct their view of what the Messiah was supposed to be. And so for the right. Jew, the Messiah will bring about world peace. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't bring about world peace. We, we can't argue that. Now, for Christians, we have an understanding of, no, he came to die, and he will come back and bring world peace. And so, and, and so that's really the stumbling block for the Jewish person. And then there's a lineage of racism and hatred and awful things that we've um, done to Jews in the name of what they did to our Messiah, right? It's, you know, it's, it's this awful history of, of evil in humanity. You know, I said... I was telling uh, one of my kids one time, if you want to give, if you want me to give you a, a, a sentence of, of um, human history, it would be rape, violence, and, and racism. You know, like like that's just that's just human nature, man. I mean, that's yeah. it's everywhere. Um, you know, um, it's not just a white person problem. It is everywhere, and um, I think one of the most amazing things, like when you go to um, um, Ireland, it's just so bizarre, the racial hatred mm -hmm. between groups of people that we would all say, like, you look exactly the same, yeah. mm -hmm. but they have a Catholic name or they have a Protestant name yeah. and they and they don't like each other. I mean, like I was in a room with pastors, like they start joking and you have Northern Ireland and um, they wouldn't, you know, they say Ireland, they don't like the, the any suffix or anything in front of it, but they, yeah. Ireland, and then you have Northern Ireland, which is a part of the UK. And there's tension there. I'll be like, okay, let's all chill out, you know, because it got heated pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, 
the the, the Ireland's favorite figure there is Dr. Martin Luther King, and that's just bizarre to me. But they identify with him. Mm-hmm. You know, this black person saying we we need freedom, um, and it's just so weird to see that within a group. And then when you go to Israel, they all look the same. I mean, they are Middle Eastern people, like, and they're like they hate each other, and that's an, an, a religious difference. Um, you know, uh, and we see this worldwide. You know, I mean, right now is the Olympics. Um, you have two million Uyghurs. You know that. Um, um, Uyghurs. Sorry, I was okay. trying to think. I was trying to think of their language. Um, sorry, my brain froze there because the Turkish language is very similar, I think, to to their language. So, um, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs. Um, you know, we see that even in in in, in another country. And so, um, and I think the challenge in America is 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 we we say this all the time. And this is where I think those of us who are young, we say diversity is our strength. I think diversity is our challenge. Um, the, the advantage that China has is it's a monolithic culture. You know, they like you're Chinese. Now they have tension with the Uyghurs. Did I get it right there? The Uyghurs. Um, but here, you know, diversity is our challenge. And so, even in the church historically, right, we've not we've not done well figuring it out. And so, here's what's bizarre. Um, you know, we want sandals to be multi-ethnic, um, uh, multiracial, because I think that's what the church should be. My friends who are black pastors are struggling with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, "How do we get white people here?" Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, as soon as I figure out how to get more black people here, I'll call you. Right? It's a, it's a challenge. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a it's a real challenge because we like to assimilate with people who look like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and Jesus wants us to assimilate based upon how he's so that we love like him. I mean, that's how we're supposed to assimilate. But it's but it's a challenge. And so. Um, you know, I think that's that's a good thing to deconstruct is 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 to look at that because we just say things and you know diversity is a challenge. I think it, it ultimately it makes America better. Um, you know, if it wasn't for immigrants, man, if if you look at education, like we're we're hosed, we're a third world country if it, if it's not for immigration mm-hmm. from the rest of the world because the best and the brightest, fortunately for us, are coming here, um, and that's a good thing. So I think we need to deconstruct things. We need to deconstruct our Christianity, but we can't say there is no truth. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's where deconstructionism goes too far, because their assumption is, you know, um, that they're right, and then you're unwilling to deconstruct. Even like in your tradition at Southern, right, always reforming, and yet they stopped. Mm-hmm. So the reform movement was supposed to keep changing, keep growing, keep asking, and yet they've all froze, you know, all of our reform buddies only want to sing songs from the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hold on. Like, you know, we're always supposed to be reforming and changing and understanding what the Word of God says. Um, and so um, well, here's what I would say to young people is, is God is never afraid of the truth. So I would say we deconstruct to get to truth. Um, but especially as young people, as you counsel them, they're obviously is a biological difference between a male and a female. And um, I think that there are spectrums of masculinity and femininity, mm-hmm. and that's where I think the church has failed, is oh, yeah. we, have, we, we need to embrace that, that some men are, you know, the way that we socially define masculinity, and just so you guys know, every culture does. Mm-hmm. Like, every culture does this. Yeah. So there must be a reason. So deconstructionism says, well, it's patriarchal. It's misogynistic. So every culture adapts. And so um, that's why Jordan Peterson is so, uh, you know, I think that we've all been taught, well, it's, it's the church. The church has created a Christian structure to suppress women, 
so that men can rise. And, and Jordan Peterson, I think he values Christianity. I would not call him a born-again Christian. Um, hopefully we'll get him on the show one day and ask. Um, but what he says is cultures, cultures create a male-dominated society because so many women died in pregnancy. You cannot build a culture based upon women because, you know, in some cultures, if you have an 80% death rate for every pregnancy, you, you, can't, you can't count on that. I mean, we just live in a world where women get pregnant and they survive, mm -hmm. and that's really new. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Madison and I, we went to Australia, and, um, you know, the whole mail order bride thing, mm -hmm. that was invented in Australia because they couldn't keep women alive. Wow. And so they would literally send out, I mean, they didn't care what race you were, or where you were from, they just needed women. They couldn't keep them alive because the medical practice was so bad and the environment of, of Australia was so hard on white people. You know, like we're made for the shade, you know? <laughs> it's just really, really tough. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, you see these, these, these they just couldn't get women. Mm -hmm. um, and that's partly because, you know, the island was started with prisoners. Mm. Um, so not the best grooms, um, but, but because pregnancy was so fatal to women, it was just such a deadly, dangerous thing. And now we've, you know, if, I mean, I don't know if any of you know of a woman who's died giving birth. You know, I think in the history of Salem Church, I know one in 25 years. Wow. I know of one woman that died. Yeah. So a hundred years ago, even in the 1920s, we would all had a sister or, or, or our mom or somebody who had complications in, in childbirth and, and they died. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's why Jordan Peterson says they evolved to have men because you, you just couldn't, you couldn't create. Men don't die in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but it is interesting biologically. Do you know that there are more men born every year than women? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so Jordan Peterson says the reason is men are stupid and we die more randomly. Like we're 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 more <laughs> he, wow. he so he would say mother nature knows you need more dudes starting out because we're going to die more quickly because of testosterone, <laughs> yeah. our desire to compete, our desire to fight, right? Um the desire for adventure. Yeah, adventure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um and you know, and look at our society now. So why are women doing kicking butt in school? because we've over-feminized education. You know, I told my kids, their children probably won't have a, a male professor. That's how dominated education has become because boys can't sit still, they can't pay attention, mm -hmm. they need to play. You know, I, 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 uh, when my son was in seventh grade, he was not doing well in school and they said, well, take away PE and recess. And I was like, that's the only thing he likes, mm. you know? And, and all of his teachers were, were, were women. And I remember asking, I was like, well, he's a boy, and one of the women said, well, I've studied men. That's literally what she said, and I was like, okay. Um, you know, this is a problem. And, and you guys know my son, he's not hyperactive. Like, right. like that, I, like, I've seen boys that, they, you know, they're just bouncing off the walls, and you're like, okay, that kid needs some medication. Um, that was not my son. So I think we all need to be willing to deconstruct where we're living in, and so wh why did the church accept slavery? Because it's what they were born into. Well, how else would it be? You know, it's not yeah. until Abraham Lincoln goes to New Orleans and he sees this slave trade. Oh, these people don't, they didn't sign up for this, right? This, yeah. is, this is not how things were. He sees them pulled off the boats. He sees families separated, right? And he sees mothers and, and husbands purchased and, and sent to different places. He goes, oh, he deconstructed his worldview. Yeah. And then ultimately that led to him being elected in the Great Civil War. 
Now, today, you know, people still criticize him because he's still trapped in the 1850s in the culture that he lived in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you guys, as you age, it's weird. It's, I, I told my wife, it's weird. It's like we live in a time warp. Like the world has changed so quickly. And um, like, like you guys can't believe this, but in high school, I went to a high school of 4,000 students. I did not know a gay person. Now, they were there. Mm -hmm. Some of them I found out were my friends. But I, I didn't know. Yeah. I found out what a gay person was when a guy named Rock Hudson, a famous actor, mm -hmm. died of AIDS. Mm -hmm. And I asked my mom, is it, I was like, what's gay? Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, your Uncle Jack. And I'm like, what? Like, I, mean, I, I just had no category for that. Mm -hmm. that. That is a weird world for our kids today, right? Mm -hmm. Where now our kids are in elementary, they're like, you know, what pronoun are you? Mm -hmm. It's a different world. And so... Um, we need to have grace, especially you know, for our young viewers. You have to have grace for your parents just because, and your grandparents because the world is changing so fast. And mm -hmm. here's what I would say. A lot of it's good. Some of it's not. Mm -hmm. Some of it, it, it's just not. And um, you know, I think the things that I grieve for your guys' age is the death of comedy. Um, you know, I think that the, 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 the death of just asking questions. I think people are afraid to be mislabeled or... Um, you know, like, like I'm constantly terrified of being called a racist. I mean, that's like my greatest fear. So, so what that means is my language, my questions, it's always shaped by that fear of being labeled as that or of being labeled a sexist or a homophobe. Um, you know, um, and as a Christian man, I have, I have beliefs in what the Word of God says. So, um, and I, and I don't believe God hates people. I believe God loves people. So, mm -hmm. um, so deconstruction is the deconstruction really of three main things. The idea of good and evil, um, gender, um, and what's the third thing I said? I forgot. Truth. Yeah, truth. Mm -hmm. So. But truth and language. Yeah, truth yeah. and language. Yeah. And so, but, and so th thank you, uh, Fredo, for bringing that up. There is some truth to what Derrida is saying, is truth is shaped by the language mm -hmm. and what we understand to be true. Um, you know, like I hear conservatives say, well, America was founded on the Bible. That's not true. Mm. America was founded on some very clear anti-religious, for the time, principles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what the Declaration of Independence and then ultimately the Constitution says. We will not be governed by one way of religious thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, they probably understood it to be by the Christian God that we understand, but they didn't want to be dominated by that. They wanted people to be free to do that. Right. The Bible does not become America's book until the Great Awakening. So America is three things, and this is just so hard for people to believe, right? The first is not hard, deeply racist. Mm. Okay, that's, yeah. that's just, that's, 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 that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the next thing, incredibly illiterate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so, so <laughs> yeah. the best and brightest from Europe didn't come, okay, right? Mm -hmm. It was the people, like my family came from Ireland because we were starving. Mm -hmm. Like we, people were dropping dead. Like, go to Boston and see the statue to Irish people coming. They look like, you know, a, a terminal cancer patient with about a week to live. That's the picture of Irish people landing there. And then, of course, there were signs, Irish don't apply, you know, because America's deeply racist. Um, so, deeply racist, uh, totally illiterate, and here's the thing, incredibly poor. Mm -hmm. People have no concept for how poor everyone was until post-World War II. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People don't know. So if you go here in Riverside and you go look at pictures 
of classes pre-World War II, mm -hmm. you're going to see Indian students, Korean students, and white students together, and none of them are wearing shoes. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All in the same school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, rich people, if you were rich and white, you know, your, your kid went to an all-white school. Uh, or if you were Catholic, um, your kids would have gone to a parochial school. But everybody's poor. And so, you know, America was a third world country where you had just the richest people in the world and the poorest people in the world. And, you know, for so many of us, you're like, well, how could they have allowed this racism and this misogynistic society? They were just trying to eat, you know. Um, so when my grandparents were alive, I think it, they said 90% of their income was spent on food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that today. Like, we're, we're mad when McDonald's gets rid of the dollar menu, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> And, and I'm old enough to remember, you know, um, Eddie Murphy does, it's a, don't watch it, it's a terrible show. It's called Raw. Um, please don't think I don't love Jesus, but I watched that show. <laughs> but he has, all, he has a whole shtick on, he wanted McDonald's as a young black man. And his mom made him a homemade burger. Mm -hmm. And he makes fun of it. Yeah. Now we make fun of McDonald's and we worship the homemade burger. Right. Mm -hmm. that, see, see how things have changed? Like when I was a kid, you were rich if you had a birthday party at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, who have you ever heard of having a birthday party at McDonald's? Nobody does that anymore. Not for the past twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, 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 so things things have really changed, and so post World War II, things really changed, and um, you know, which I really think set the stage for um, just the social justice movement in the '60s, because my grandfather, as a white poor man, you know, went and fought in a war, and he was fed by black cooks. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, America is still deeply racist and separated, but it's the first mass integration that we see. Now, it's not what we would call integration, but they care for each other mm -hmm. and they love each other. And it's different. It's different. Now, it won't be until their children that ultimately change history. But but World War Two really changes that because as racist as America was, black people wanted to serve and did serve valiantly. It's yeah. pretty incredible um, what they did in our country. And so that's the first. Uh, mixing of, of the races in our country, World War II. And, um, you know, and, and here's the thing, both of my grandfathers fought in World War II. I never heard a racist word out of either of their mouths. Now, I don't know if that was because of integration or Jesus, but I, I, I both. yeah, probably yeah. both. But I never, if, if my grandfathers were racist, I never heard it. Mm -hmm. I, I just never heard it. And, um, and my grandfathers were both Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists did not land on the right side of racism historically, um, but they, they, you know, they deeply loved Jesus. And both my grandfathers went around the world building churches for uh, people of color all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that there was a, there was a change there. So I think deconstruction is good to a point as long as it doesn't say there is no truth, there is no gender, there is no right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reason racism exists is because evil is a real thing. Right. Mm. Evil is a very real thing, yeah. and and education and economics doesn't solve evil. Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't. It fixes some problems, mm -hmm. but it doesn't solve. And that's what I think a lot of us have been told. If I just, you know, uh, had a little more money and we could just make everybody not have a racist thought ever, we, we'd all get along. And the truth is, um, even in countries where everybody thinks the same way and everybody kind of has the same amount of money, you have... Mao Zedong, who kills 60 million of his own people, so we can all get along, mm -hmm. and that and that happens. And um, you have Pol Pot. I've been to Cambodia. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. It's like a time warp. Yeah. 
You know, he killed 35 million of every person who could read, write, who went to school, who held a, a government office, killed them all. Um, you, know, um, you know, even our views of, regardless of what you think about the Vietnam War, you know, was it right or wrong? You know, Dr. Doan, my doctor, is a product of the people who had to flee. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had, they had to leave everything. Yeah. And they're called boat people. And nobody even knows why they're called boat people anymore. It's because no country would take them. And so they lived on boats for years. Wow. Until finally America, through political pressure and guilt, you know, because these are the people that support us in the war, let them in. And, um, you know, and then we get Dr. Doe, right, who saved my life multiple times. Mm -hmm. But um, so I think some deconstruction is good. Go ahead. Can I ask you, yeah. let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, you mentioned, you said Derrida was his name? Yeah, Derrida. Professor Derrida. Yeah. Derrida. Um, can you kind of explain what, like a brief overview of what deconstruction is um, and why you think it's become so mainstream? Yeah, so, I, so deconstructionism is, is really just use the word. Now, a deconstructionist isn't going to like this word. Um, <laughs> deconstructionists would say they're anti-structuralism. So okay. what they would say is there are structures of power, uh, racial power, um, sexual power, something, gender power, uh, economic power that exists. And these structures are held in place by a system okay. that keeps white males at the top, keeps, uh, you know, I guess it would be uh, a woman of color and then trans would be even lower than that, right, mm -hmm. at the bottom. And so we have to deconstruct that so that we can allow the people on the bottom to be on the top. And um, what I would say is I, I don't want people to be forced at the bottom. I think that's gross and sinful and everybody should have the opportunity. Um, but what we need to throw out is racism, sexism, and homophobia, and even transphobia. Um, and that's, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I'm not changing my theology. I'm just saying we shouldn't hate anybody. I mean, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, yeah. Yeah. that's that a command. It he didn't say unless. Yeah. They don't look like you. Mm -hmm. They don't believe like you. They don't think like you. I mean, that's a real command. Um, you know, I think Timothy Keller says we hold in two hands, love our neighbor, and then we have a sexual moral ethic. Mm -hmm. But part of that moral ethic is this command over here to love thy neighbor regardless yeah. of who they are. And that's the whole you know, point I think that we miss with uh, the Good Samaritan is he's, you know, it's, it's the hated neighbor that actually exactly. is following the command. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 the taking, it's the deconstruction of, of, of structural systems. So that's when you hear um, systemic racism. It's the system that is holding these people in place. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is we need to say, we need, we need to be willing to ask, are there systems that keep black people poor? Those need to be eradicated and eliminated. But we can't say it is just the system. Are, are, there, are there other things? Are there other things that are happening? Um, and we need to have a nuanced approach. And I think a vigorous debate, um, disagreement, um, and how to move forward, because I don't think, I don't think especially in California, and we're the most liberal left-wing state, where I don't think we're moving forward. I don't think things are getting better. And um, so I think that we need some rigorous debate. And um, you know, I think that the Christian conservative role is not to say, should we make a difference? It's to say, are we making a difference? Yeah. So I think the left always comes up with programs to make a difference, and I think that's great. I think that's their role. The role of the conservative is to say, is it helping? You know, we've spent $100 billion in California on homelessness. Well, if the goal was to increase it, then it's working. So what we're doing is not working. And so, um, you, know, um, 
you know, we say we care about children of color. Are we helping them? I, I don't think that we are. So I think the conservative's role is not to say that, that children of color don't need help. It's to say this isn't working. And typically the left is, well, we need to spend more money. Um, you know, and I, I think that's where guys like Elon Musk, their role is. I think what he does so well is he says engineers are trained to solve problems, but they never ask, is this the right problem to solve? Mm. So I don't know if you guys know, I was born in 1971. There has been no increase in engine and plane speed since 1971. Huh. And he says it's because engineers are only good at solving the problems as they currently are. Right. Yeah. He said there's no visionaries, there's no visionaries in engineering. So right, so in school, and, and this is what's wrong with education, we're not rewarding the kid for asking the question. So I struggled in school because I could do the algebra problem in my head. The teacher wanted me to do it this way. Mm -hmm. So show we need, I know, yeah. show your work. Yeah. Well, some kids don't start at first base, some kids start at second, some kids start at third. Yeah. And so you have to allow for that. And I think that's where Elon Musk is so important for our culture is because he's, he's challenging norms and ideas. I mean, you, you look at NASA, I think they spend 400, billion dollars and they've gotten nowhere he spent 10 billion and he's been in space like four times or whatever it is mm -hmm. and so people make fun of him for the four billion but he you know I'm saying it, it works so yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we I think we need to challenge these ideas and so I, like I think my role um, you know as a white male who sits atop the, the, the dominant structure I have to ask you know, am, am I viewing this through my lens? I have to constantly deconstruct, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? Um, and I think that we all have to do this. We have to say, um, you know, what role is the color of my skin? What role is my gender playing in the way that I see this? Because mm -hmm. it, it skews and it fogs truth. Um, um, and I think that we undercut the power of emotion. Um, when I was young, I thought that I had a, I had a money management problem. I don't struggle managing money. I struggle managing my emotions. <laughs> it has nothing to do with money. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that I think that if I was a young person, I, I I have to be able to say I have to manage my emotions as I look at this from a from a black female's perspective. From you're not middle aged, younger, Thank you. his, <laughs> yeah, younger younger Hispanic perspective. And I I don't know what your race is. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty white, but I have like some Hispanic family on both yeah, okay, sides. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was, I, I don't even know if that's the right yeah. thing to say because of Cult that, but I was, culturally ambiguous. Yeah, I, I wasn't I was sure. Raised around a lot of Hispanic family. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know. Um, I thought I was Italian. Totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Um, so, so, you know, I think that, um, you know, w what is my view? Um, you know, when I look at. Um, police brutality issues you know I was an MP in um, police mm -hmm. so where's my bias going to be um, right I mean I, my bias is going to be towards the safety of the police officer I have to, I have to accept that mm -hmm. I, I have to understand that um, you know or if you're a black person who's felt harassed by police your, your bias is going to be towards the black person who's being mistreated mm -hmm. um, and so we, we all have to accept that you know we all have implicit bias but it's not just white dudes. It's all of us. Like, we all have that. And mm -hmm. even in my marriage, how long have you been married now? Uh, just over a year. Yeah, the champion. Her book's coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to read it. Um, I mean, you look at things from the perspective of, you know, a wife. And, and you know, and, and sometimes, you know, the hardest thing is to see it from your husband's perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's just really hard. Yeah. And, and it's hard, right, as a husband 
to, to see it from the wife. So the Bible says in marriage, and, and, and a lot of women you know, get offended at what Paul says, but he says in context, in a cultural context, that husbands treat your wife as the weaker vessel, like with love and respect. Well, typically, I mean, you're a pretty strong woman, right? <laughs> typically, right, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a size difference, you know, and so what he's saying is we, we have to relate to our wife from her perspective. Right. Mm, so now misogynists have used that verse, you know, and so, and twisted it. And I think what we got to be careful is that we don't need to construct that and say, well, patriarchal misogynist white men have used this to stay atop the, the hierarchy, so we have to throw it out. Well, when we, when we throw Paul out, what are we doing? Exactly. You know, um, I'll never forget, I was meeting with a pastor. Her name was Tammy, uh, not my wife, but another pastor in town, and we were meeting together, and um, we disagree on many things theologically. And she said this to me. I'll never forget this. She said, the Apostle Paul did the best he could with the information he had. She left her husband the next week for the worship leader. Because hmm. see what happens is when when scripture is Paul's doing the best he can with the information he had, she's she's not going to manage her emotions. Why would she? And she goes and follows her heart and destroyed her church. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrecked her church. And so that's what happens when we don't have um, a questing obedience, a questing desire to be obedient to what scripture is. Mm-hmm. We have to deconstruct what our culture says that verse means. Right. Wow. Yeah. Because because everything is built upon all of these. You know, so like, have you ever met somebody King James only? Yes. Yeah. I love those people, <laughs> right? Yeah. So interact with them daily. Here's here's what they really mean. <laughs> what they really mean is I'm pas- I passionately reject the Geneva Bible. Mm. Okay. And I'm really sorry that William Tyndale was burned at the stake, because he translated the Tyndale translation that ultimately became the borrowed translation that we call the King James version. Because the King James version is not a version; it's an adaptation of Tyndale's. Mm. But to compete with the Geneva Bible. Right? It's the first printing press battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it comes. So let's go all the way back to, to what changed America. Deeply racist, totally illiterate, uh, and, and incredibly poor. The Great Awakening and the American Bible Society said we're going to put a Bible in every home. We have a racist, poor, illiterate country. So why does the Bible become America's book? Because it's the only book in people's house. Mm. So what does education do? If you're going to give a reading assignment and you know that there's one book in the black home, there's one book in the Hispanic home, there's one book in the, if you're west of the Mississippi and white, you have no idea what you are home, right? <laughs> so so if, you, if you don't, believe, believe me, watch 1883. Uh, it's mm. a new show out. It cracks me up. You want to know why you don't know what your race is? Half your relatives died on the trip over. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, like, you know, um, I love the lead character. She keeps falling in love with a man every state. It's just so great. Sorry if I ruined that for anybody. <laughs> but... Um, but, I mean, that's what happened. Our relatives, you know, mm-hmm. went on a wagon train and half of them died and were married to somebody else. And, and all of the, the racial distinctions just go out the window. Yeah. Right. And that's why we look at 23andMe and we go, oh, mm-hmm. you know, we're different. But they put a Bible in every home and it became America's book, but it began to change American hearts. Because when you actually start reading the Word of God, you have, you have a cultural racism. And then you have what happened to my grandparents and they went, oh, I'm not supposed to think differently about you know my neighbor who's black or my neighbor who's Hispanic right or or this or that you know and then you know I mean you, you, you see like the Azusa revivals in LA mm-hmm. 
the first multi-ethnic church. Man, I mean, you see these things happening, and that's not to diminish what happened in World War II, but, but the Bible plays a part in that because when you read the Word of God and you say, how could Christians then condone it? They don't read the Word of God just like our church doesn't read it. Right. I mean, the, the, the things, you know, the things that the people in our church say God's leading them to do, I'm like, and yet in the Bible, he thought you should do the exact opposite. It's because they don't read it and they don't believe it. Um, and, you know, you know, just because people are Christian in name only doesn't mean that they're actually Christian. And so, I mean, I don't know of anybody in our church that's actually illiterate. But 150 or 100 years ago, 150 years ago, most people were unless you were rich mm-hmm. and you could afford school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think the illiteracy we see are the bad interpretations of the Bible. Yeah. Which is what we should be deconstructing. Yeah. You know, versus here's what the Bible actually saying, mm. you know. Yeah. But. No, I, I agree. And um, and so here's where I think you should remain conservative. Don't throw out 2,000 years of understanding because of some new interpretation. Allow the new interpretation to cause you to question right. 2,000 years. But whenever you're like, 2,000 years of people studying this book were wrong, and this guy or gal just saw something that everybody missed, be, be, be careful. Yeah. You know, Joseph Smith says that all of the churches are wrong, and only his church is right. Turns out he's a serial liar and a serial adulterer, and the reason you're seeing Mormons leave the church in droves is because the cat's out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows because of the internet, he made it up. He made it up. And, it's, and, and if you're Mormon and you're watching this, I love you. You're probably a wonderful person. Joseph Smith was not a wonderful person. He's a really bad person who told really bad lies. Um, and, and now it's out. And, and that's why you see, I mean, I don't know what the, what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is going to do because they have a history that now they know is, it's, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a history as Christians that repeatedly is shown to be true. Even when scholars say David didn't exist, Pilate didn't exist, you know, these towns didn't, and they keep, they keep finding out, oh, that was there. Yeah. And so what we find out is education is wrong over and over again. Now our, our interpretation, like Fredo says, may be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at, don't question the text, question our interpretation of what the text yeah. says. And yeah, I think okay. that's huge. Because um, our interpretation is shaped by the lens in which we live. Yeah, love your enemy as yourself. What I, what I challenge our church to do is, well, who's your greatest enemy? Mm-hmm. It's yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, challenge your, your, your interpretation of that. Um, because until you truly love yourself, you'll never have a, a love for the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I truly believe people that are hateful and racist hate themselves. They're miserable people. They're not happy people. Yeah. You know, a happy person is not a racist person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, these people are people who hate their lives, hate other people, and are really looking for a reason that somebody's below them or beneath them. And, um, you know, unfortunately in America, you know, skin color um, became that thing that made a bunch of white people that were of different religions, different races kind of get along. You know, it's how white people melted. We're not them. And that's not the right, that's not the right way to do that. Um, you know, um, but one of the things that, you know, Jordan Peterson, excuse me, uh, Thomas Sell talks about is in a deeply racist country in the 1950s, blacks did better economically and socially than they're doing now. So his question is why? Why? I think we're less racist, but black, blacks are underperforming. I mean, if you look at Harvard admissions, you look at um, 
academic scores, you look at some of the schools that performed at the highest levels, schools that produced a Thomas Sal. Why are we, why are we struggling? So we have to look at that. Some things have gotten better. Um, you know, I think that boys are being raised, let me pick a less controversial issue. I think boys are being raised to value women, to see women in a better light, but boys are not doing better. Boys are, we're failing. 80% of boys in California can't read and write at the eighth grade level. So what's gonna happen? Are they gonna be good citizens? No, they're, they're gonna be a mess. They're gonna smoke dope and impregnate females and, and, and be boys. They're Peter Pants. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to grow up. And so, um, you know, um, it's just really, really sad. And then you have amazing women who want to marry strong men who are, are educated and can think and can be masculine. And there's like three, you know. So, so what do we do? And so that's where I think we have to deconstruct and not be afraid of the answer. Je- Jesus is not never afraid of the truth because he is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so we have to say, so, so whatever it is, you know, Proverbs says, get the facts at any price. What are the facts? What are they? And then how do we, how do we deal with those? And, and understand that politicians manipulate the data to stay elected, to stay in power on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're not being served well by our politicians. Mm-hmm. And so we need to demand more. And, um, you know, um, I mean, you know, and democracy may not make it. Like we all love democracy, but how do people self-govern when you can give yourself a raise and you can give yourself more? I, I don't know if we'll make it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a king, the king doesn't want to go broke. So, um, and the worst wars have been fought by democracies. We've never, we never had world wars under kings. Because Jesus says, mm-hmm. what king goes to war if he does not first calculate mm-hmm. how, many, how, many, how many soldiers does he have? Mm-hmm. What's it going to cost me? Yeah. Because the king loses personally. Democracies, right? It's all made up money, and and so, um, you know, it just it just is. Monopoly money. Yeah, it, no, it's it's monopoly money, and it, yeah. and and you know, America's never been the country where they just move the decimal point, two or three over. But most countries are, and we may we may, our hundred dollar bill could we could wake up and it's a dollar, mm-hmm. and they could just do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you guys come to Israel with me, it's called the new Israeli shekel. Why is it the new one? Because the old one's not worth anything. And, um, you know, they were a socialist state that just provided everything for, and it, it crapped out because you can't say yes to everything. Um, you know, there's not, there's not enough money to fix every problem. So, um, but we should try to fix right. the most important problems. And um, I love your thought about pursuing the truth, mm-hmm. you know, from, from the Proverbs. I do think a helpful tool is to encourage people in our church to be pursuing whatever questions, doubts they have, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that in God's grace, like they're gonna they're gonna arrive at Jesus, you yeah. Know, as long as they keep asking, I think mm-hmm. the helpful questions, you know. Yeah. So. And don't be afraid to challenge your faith. So, um, I follow very few theologians who agree with me. I just don't. Why? Yeah. Why do I want to be encouraged in what I already think? I want to be challenged in what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my favorite theologians is Mormon. I mean, he's, 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 he's brighter than I am. He's Oxford trained. Um, he's a polytheist, meaning Mormons believe in many gods. He openly admits that. Most Mormons will tell you we believe in one God. That's, that's not what they believe. The Father is a God. The Son is a God. The Spirit is a God. And oh, by the way, Jesus has lots of brothers. So uh, they're a polytheistic religion, and he openly admits that. But he challenges my interpretation of Scripture. And, and you know, I don't always 
I usually don't agree with where he lands, but I appreciate his academic research and his point of view. Mm -hmm. And so um, it challenges me. I, on TikTok, and my wife makes fun of me, on TikTok, I follow atheists. I want to know what they think. I want to know why they reject things. Um, you know, I follow people who disagree with me politically. Um, you know, um, Fox News is not always helpful for a white man who leans conservative. That's not helpful. So what does the other side say? What, what are they saying? And, 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 and news media in general is dying. Mm -hmm. And so they don't know what to do. So what they're doing is they're preaching louder to their audience mm -hmm. because they're dying. They're a dinosaur. And they haven't realized, like, the cat's out of the bag. Um, you know, Twitter, Twitter's a game changer mm -hmm. um, because they're reporting what Twitter is saying now. And so journalism has to change. Everything has to change. But we have these incredibly powerful tools called media that have amassed incredible amounts of wealth and they have a lot to lose. Right. So, um, you know, we have to ask those, we have, we have to be willing to challenge those things. And, um, you know, so, go ahead. Where do, where do you think, because I, you know, like you said, frog, water heats up. I deconstructed at one point. I raised in the church and at 18, I took off. Mm. How old are you now? I'm 28. Okay. So 18, as soon as I was out of my own, I took off. I thought I was running free, but I was at Cal Baptist, so mm, yeah, yeah. I was still in the same circle. Yeah, you still, anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, so I basically was around all these people, but not believing anything with mm -hmm. them. And in the church I grew up in, it was very much, wasn't explicitly stated, but if you started asking questions about, well, why is this in scripture? What does he mean by this? It was kind of approached as like, oh, well, then you just don't have faith. Mm. Um, so how, I, I say I went through two stages of deconstruction. I was hurt by some mm. friends at the church that mm. I thought were the close friends. And so I left and said, none of this is real. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I came back to church, probably four or five years later, um, I call that the second deconstruction where I was like, okay, how does my faith look different now? Mm -hmm. um, so what do you, like, how do you think that people can go through stages of deconstruction without just getting like thrown out with the bathwater? Yeah, I, I think the first thing that you need to de deconstruct as a, as a Christian race in the church is is your faith. Um, I hear this all the time, and you hear this all the time. I was hurt by the church. Mm -hmm. So what you need to deconstruct is, it wasn't the church that hurt you. What were their names? Mm -hmm. It was people. Mm -hmm. yeah. What were their names? The church is over a billion people yeah. uh, with vast interpretations, and there's a lot of good people in the church. So what were the names of these broken people that exist in every church? Um, and here's the thing, people, you know, people leave Sandals Church all the time because they've been hurt by Sandals. And I don't know this to be true, but I would wage money that my wife and I have been hurt more by Sandals Church than anyone that's ever or will ever attend. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, people are broken. Yeah. And um, Tammy and I's primary wounding is that, um, you know, People want to be in your life as long as you are feeding a need, and then when you no longer are meeting that need or they sense that, they dispose of you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So my wife and I have been disposed of by thousands of people, um, many of them who would tell you, Pastor Matt hurt me. Uh, some of those are employees. You know, some of those are, you know, whatever. And it's not to say that I'm not broken too. I mean, um, you know, um, so the first thing you need to de deconstruct is, was it the church or was it a person? So um, I, I wasn't like figuratively wounded. I had a youth pastor that turned out to be a very di disingenuous person who was violent and abusive. And um, 
uh, choked me until I was unconscious in front of my friends. Like, wow. lost, his, lost his mind, yeah, lost his wow. mind and tried to kill me. Jeez. When I came to, uh, my youth pastor's wife came and said, please don't tell your dad, who's the pastor, because my husband will be fired. So this, this is like my, yeah, I know, this is like my baptism into faith. Wow. And, and I left the church. And, um, and, and I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my mom and dad. How tweaked is that? And that's why abuse victims, right? Like, why didn't you say anything? Well, I, and it's not like I was like 18 when this happened. It wasn't like I was eight years old. I, I just didn't. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Um, and, and part of it was my mouth. I know that's hard for you guys to believe. My mouth ticked him <laughs> off. But this guy turned out to be a complete fraud. And so what kind of fraud was he? He was an engineer who worked for Boeing. He made aircraft. Ten years into his job at Boeing, Somebody else from his same school who graduated from the same class was hired and said, I don't remember Ron. Mm. Here's how big of a liar he was. He never went to school. He was not an engineer. He had manufactured his diploma. He was such a good liar. He, he faked engineering for 10 years. Wow. That's terrifying. That was my youth pastor. Wow. Now, what do you think he did to the girls in our youth group? He impregnated a couple of them. His marriage imploded. So right, the church is fake. It's all, it's all terrible. I ran away from the church. My mom used to send me care packages at Cal Baptist. And um, there was some problem with UPS, uh, you know, what can Brown do for you? So I had to go to the UPS office to get this care package that my mom had sent. And not great service. I know there's people watching that work for UPS. Thank you for all that you do. But this guy had had a bad day, whatever. We got into it. And um, I can't remember what the argument was about, but he was not very nice. And I, at the end, basically, he just said, look, do you want the package or not? I said, of course I do. It's my package. And I walked out of the UPS office, and I heard God audibly say, do you want me or not? Wow. I said, what do you mean, God? He said, you're going to reject me because one of my delivery guys was an a-hole? Do you want me or not? Mm -hmm. And this is what I would say to everybody. Ultimately, that's what, do you want God or not? And, and the church is, is full of broken people, and it's full of abusive people. But there's a lot of people here that love Jesus too. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to ask yourself, do I want God or not? And here is the truth. You can't have God without his church. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of gender, C.S. Lewis says, we're all female as we relate to Christ. Because Christ is the groom. Mm -hmm. We are all the bride. Yeah. And the church is an ugly bride. <laughs> she's got a mouth on her. You know, she's, man, she's, she's just a mean streaks. But that's his wife. Yeah. And, and if you love him, like, you, you can tell me all day long you love me. If you mistreat my wife, we, ha we have problems. Yeah. And, and the church is the bride of Christ. And so before you throw out, it's almost two billion people in the church. Um, and here's why I love to travel globally. I love to see what God is doing in every nation, yeah. mm -hmm. all over the world. You have no idea how big the church is. And so when someone says, I'm done with the church, what they said is, I'm, I'm, bigger, I'm, I'm bigger and more important than God's bride. And, and they miss out. So what I would say is, leave your church. Because there are dysfunctional, cultic mm -hmm. churches. Um, and, and there are abusive leaders. We've had them at Sandals. And here's the thing about abusive leaders. They're not abusive to me. Mm -hmm. They're liars to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... 
I find out that they're abusive and then I get rid of them and then they go on Twitter and they talk about how they're hurt by sandals and they have a story and people believe them. Because here's the thing about abusers, they don't abuse everybody. Mm, yeah. Narcissists love attention from somebody. You know, I mean, it's like, that's what we think is, right? This person's gonna be terrible to everybody. No, 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 they're just terrible to their victims. You know, Michael Jackson was good to some kids, right? I mean, how many kids have you seen? Oh, I wasn't touched. Well, but that doesn't mean he didn't touch this kid. It doesn't mean that he didn't traumatize this kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the thing, right? Pedophiles aren't dumb. Mm-hmm. They're broken, but they're not dumb. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we need to think about abusers in the church are careful. Mm-hmm. Priests that are pedophiles don't abuse every kid. Yeah. Just some. Mm-hmm. And so, right, that's what happens. Well, I, and that's why priests stay in power. Well, he's great to us. He never did that to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, mothers never believe their son could kill anybody, regardless of the video, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, so, so we have to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I would say deconstruct your wounding. You had some friends that are really broken, and here's why that is that many of our Christian friends in the church are not really Christian. They go to church because they wanna date hot girls. That's why most guys go to church, or a girl wants to, to meet a good guy. Those are, you know, those aren't terrible reasons, but it's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's their social network. That's what they grew up in. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I watched Dr. Dre at the, at, the, at the Super Bowl, and you know when he sat down and played the piano? Mm-hmm. I bet he grew up in church. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw him sit at the piano, I went, oh. I mean, where in Compton mm-hmm. did a black guy learn music? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess it was in the church. And a lot of people don't know this, but Snoop Dogg was prophetically spoken over. He was called to be a pastor. Interesting. Yeah. So there there was a prophetic word spoken over him. And and anyone who has a prophetic word, Satan hears those words, and he tries to pull you. And um, you know, so so the church is is a good thing. And 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 so much of black music comes out of the church. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's man, it's. Um, I mean, because what other place is it where they're like, oh, you're talented, you're, you know, you like, like you go right to the front row. Um, in the world, right, it's competitive. But in the church, it's like, man, we, we you know, yeah. Uncle Larry can't sing. We, we need Fredo. <laughs> we need Fredo up front, you know, especially in small that. churches. Yeah. Um, and you're celebrated and you're encouraged. Um, yeah. So here's the thing is, so I was abused in the church, but I, that was by one guy. Every other person I met in the church was a wonderful person mm-hmm. who loved me and saw me. Um, Tammy and I went to homecoming at Cal Baptist this last weekend, and we met a guy, and he, he told me his name, and I didn't recognize him at all. And he said, and then he told me where he was from, and it was the first church I was hired at. Mm-hmm. That whole church still knows me. They followed my career. They still loved me. Um, our piano player... Uh, was this black guy, just incredibly talented black guy. And after I preached my first sermon, I'll, I'll never, I can't tell you his name. I, I'll never forget what he said. He said, God's going to do great things in your life, and I see it. Wow. I heard that in the church. Mm-hmm. Like those words were, where, where in life? I, I never had those words spoken over me at public high school. Yeah. I never had a teacher say, hey, I see great things you know, for you, mm-hmm. you know, there might've been some teachers that thought I was Voldemort, but you know, <laughs> you know, sorry, all my homeschool moms are like, um, but, uh, but nobody, but in the church, in the church, I was seen mm-hmm. and appreciated. 
Um, and so, so there, there, there are beautiful things at church. You know, um, I, I love the church. I want to serve the church my whole life, whether I get paid to be here or not. Um, the best night of my year last year was Christmas Eve. When I walked into this place and it was full, I just cried. I just cried. Um, you know, um, and so here's what you need. You need to deconstruct, and what you got to get down to is your, is your, is your core. What, do you, what are the core things that you believe? I think a lot of us think we believe things. And um, I spent last weekend w- with a group of pastors that are just like world changers. One of them was Craig Rochelle. And he talked about, he's realized through the pandemic that there's a lot of things that he thought he believed that he realized are just not true. Mm-hmm. And he said, I come back to these few things. He said, I believe God is faithful. He said, I believe Jesus is the Savior. He said, I believe the Holy Spirit empowers. And he said, I believe the church will endure. Mm. And he said, after that, he said, I don't believe much. Mm. And so I think that, you know, we have to deconstruct things. But I loved how he included the church. Mm -hmm. And for so many young people, they'll say, I believe in God. And they divorce themselves from the church. And, you know, Jesus is the Savior of the world. But the church is the hope of the world. Mm -hmm. And, And we have to remember that. And so... Um,